We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. It's almost here. The draft is now just over a month away at this point, I think, or maybe a little bit less. I'm running, tra- I'm losing track of days here. We're near in April, and that means it's time to start ramping up our draft profiles and draft coverage. I think the draft profiles are fun, but I think what I really love is when we start to do like our top five wide receiver list, our top five by position, our sleepers, breakouts, bust at each position. And quite frankly, even more than that is get on our draft guests because we get on some really talented draft analysts who are doing this year round. Nick and I are really only doing this for a few months of every year. These guys are doing this year round. And so I really respect their opinions on the players because they have so much more data and so much more time spent doing it. Um, And so we can't wait to get on all those people we've had on last year. I expect to get everyone back, hopefully. Um, But we're going to expand it this year and get even more uh, draft analysts on. But for today, it's just a draft profile. And it's a player that both Nick and I are very excited about, I would say. It's a player that I know, spoiler, spoiler, but if he's there at 25, I would be pretty happy with the Giants drafting him. It's wide receiver Zay Flowers out of Boston College, a receiver who some people believe could be the next Tavon Austin. Other people believe he could be the next Antonio Brown. It's a very wide range of outcomes. I personally don't believe that he has that big of a ceiling floor situation. I don't think his ceiling is quite Antonio Brown, but I don't think his floor is anywhere near Tavon Austin from watching his film. Now, that could be wrong. I didn't watch Tavon Austin film, Nick. I don't know if Tavon Austin was also looking like this on tape at West Virginia. Something tells me he wasn't, though, because of the system they ran at West Virginia, where there's a lot of just throws around the line of scrimmage, screens, and things like that. This is not a guy who's just catching screens all day, Zay Flowers. This is a guy who, in my opinion, out of the entire class, Nick, did the most consistent job of winning on all three levels. That I'm curious to get your take on. And if you think there's anyone you've seen so far who did a better, just that specific thing, a consistent job of winning on all three levels, underneath, intermediate, and then vertical routes. So maybe let's start there. Is there a receiver that you've seen on film right now who's done a consistent job, a better consistent job on tape of winning at all three levels than Zay Flowers? That's a good question. And I would have to go back into my archives of all the guys I've looked at. But honestly, man, just thinking off the top of my head, I would say no. I think Zay Flowers has a real legitimate chance to be a a threat in the NFL level at all three levels. And that's what Boston College tried to do. They tried to get the football in this guy's hand. 
not only on those screen passes, you ran a lot of screens, not only on the motion, fast three, all that kind of stuff. They would line them in the backfield sometimes, but on those double moves, man, you want to talk about route nuance and ability to manipulate defenders. There's really no wide receiver in this class is better than Zay Flowers in terms of setting up his routes, selling his vertical stem to, to run an in route or an out route or a curl or, you know, stemming inside a little bit off the line of scrimmage, getting that defender to open his hips and then crossing his face and going back towards the sideline to just be completely free of coverage. In terms of creating separation on the vertical plane and the horizontal plane, but just talk about the vertical one at first, Zay Flowers probably does the best of any of the wide receivers that I've seen. Now, there's a couple wide receivers I want to watch still who who could challenge him in that area. But man, I, I came away very impressed by Zay Flowers. I'll tell you another player though, and not to dovetail into something else. But another player who does a really good job doing what I just said is Tank Dell, the Houston kid. And he's about 5'8", 160 pounds, a small dude, but he's another one who sells his routes very, very exceptionally. Yeah, and I think part of that is the, is just their natural athleticism and their ankle flexion and their from that standpoint, their ability. like To be able to sell those routes, you have to be a nuanced route runner. You have to know what you're doing. But you also have to have the ability to change directions fast and, like, like I said, have that ankle flexion. And the stats back it up, by the way. Flowers had 500 of his 1,077 yards last season on passes that traveled at least 20 yards in the air. He recorded five or more receptions on targets of 20 plus yards on the field in all four of his college seasons. And that includes 12 during the 2022 season, which was incredibly high. Also, as you know, somebody who I hope to have on our podcast soon, Ray Q, who breaks down film, put out when he put, posted a couple clips, he goes, he shows a clip of Zay Flowers, Nick, running exactly what you just said, a double move on a vertical route to create like an insane amount of separation. The D-back is stumbling and the Boston College quarterback gets sacked and he goes, and I agree with him when I watch this tape. I agree with him entirely on this team. He goes, you see these littered throughout Flowers' tape, just examples of him creating separation on the vertical plane and the quarterback not getting him the football there, either with an inaccurate throw or more times than not, the quarterback just not seeing it, processing it and taking a sack. Maybe it's got offensive line breakdown, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The important part is on tape, you're seeing Zay Flowers win these routes and you can project that at the NFL level, if they get the right situation, the quarterback who can process it fast enough. The ball could be out there, and he could be scoring a touchdown on these plays. His stats could have been a lot better on those deep passes than they were. And like I just mentioned when breaking down those stats, they were already really good. Oh, yeah. Over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, 78 catches on 124 targets. I mean, that's at Boston College. Boston College is not known for being a potent offense. I don't know if they've ever had a wide receiver drafted, Dan. This isn't a team wow. that puts skilled position players into the NFL. They'll put running backs in, right? They'll put offensive linemen into the NFL. They'll put some defensive players into the NFL. Tight end. But they're not known for their what? What's that? Shitty tight, tight ends, ends they put into. Yeah, yeah. the shitty they're tight ends. They're, they're like, you know, they're like the blocking types. The block, I say yeah. blocking with because they're supposed to be blockers based on their frame, but they're just never are. <laughs> the the wide receiver position is not one that that's typically synonymous in terms of being good wide receivers at the next level at the NFL with Boston College, but this guy is the exception to that. So you don't scout the helmet. Just watch him run routes. Yeah. There, was, there was a route, Dan, that he ran against North Carolina State that I feel like is, is a microcosm of what I'm talking about in terms of running routes. It's not even necessarily a double move per se, right? He's the number three wide receiver in a three-by-one set, and the way he explodes off the line of scrimmage is inward-leaning. He's getting passed off to the safety. So he has a cornerback who is going to be an outside leverage on him and a safety over the top. So they're spying him. So what he does to manipulate the safety is he starts by exploding inside on the route. And then about right when he's in the middle of the hashes, he just angles his, his stem 
vertical. And what does that do? That stops that safety from shifting his momentum to the outside. Now he starts to backpedal. And once that safety starts to backpedal, that's when Zay Flowers knows I got him. So then he just explodes back to the outside. And now that defender, the safety does not have the change of direction skills to flip his hips and then close with on that horizontal cross and end up going for like a 17 yard touchdown. But it's that little subtlety of just changing your route and doing it so fluidly that defenders aren't going to be able to use their athletic ability to clamp down on you. He understands how to do that so well. And it's such a little nuanced thing. It's so subtle, but there are a few wide receivers in this class who do that. Like Zay Flowers, his body control when running routes, it's exceptional. Was that the red zone route against NC state that you're referring to? Yes, it is. So a few other things I loved on that, that, that play is such a good play for his day. Like, you know, NFL evaluators looking at that play and be like, that's, that's the play. A few other things I liked about that play that I'm going to put up that I'm going to say now. And, and this is the thing I put in my scattering report for cbssports.com. We do draft profiles. You can find them over there as my favorite thing, strength of his game. The second thing I'm going to mention, the first thing I'm going to mention is on that touchdown, I thought he did a really good job of plucking away from his frame with his hands there. And that's yep. not an easy catch to make. And that's something that is probably not the most consistent part of his game as far as sometimes he does let the ball come into his body. But he does have good examples like that one of him plucking away from his frame with his hands. And obviously, one of the big concerns we're going to talk about soon is his same thing we talked about Wandell Robinson. The guy has got short arms and not much of a catch radius but to me that and we'll discuss that but the number one thing that i liked about that play if i remember it correctly because it might have not been this it might have not been on this play there were but there were plenty of examples is i thought throughout his tape what impressed me most about say flowers is when you were watching these games against the teams that were playing boston college nick there was no one else on this boston college team that was any threat and the defenses knew it I thought more so than anyone I've seen so far at the wide receiver position. I haven't only watched extensively Quinton, Zay Flowers, and Addison so far. And even Addison, I want to do a couple more games for I feel comfortable on. But out of those three guys, I thought Flowers did the best job of beating bracket coverage the most consistently. And he saw more bracket coverage than any of these other guys based on the way Boston College set up their offense. I mean, part of it is USC plays a style of offense. It's not going to, you're not going to get bracketed a lot, but he beat it a lot, Flowers. He was bracketed. And just for those who don't know, bracket coverage is, is is one of the best ways you can take away a weapon in a passing game. You know, if you're an opposing defensive coordinator and you have a guy who you feel at wide receiver can't be matched up one on one with your corners or, you know, it's a dangerous game to play. You bracket coverage him. And he did. I thought he did it on that play. I might be wrong. I thought there was a safety over the top that was bracking him on the and had like an inside, uh, you know, inside leverage on him. But either way, throughout his tape. More so than any receivers I saw so far, he's beating uh, bracket coverage consistently. And that's a really good sign and indicator for me that he can be a contributor at the next level, beating coverage at the next level. Yeah, they did it against Louisville. He had five catches for 151 yep. yards, two touchdowns, and the 157-yard touchdown catch that he had, he was bracketed. The safety came down on the box a little bit more. He was the outside wide receiver shotgun, 12 personnel. And he ran a, a just double move. This was a true double move. It wasn't just the angling of the stem where it was a cop route. So it was a corner post. So basically you angle inside like you're going to run a post and then you flare out to the corner, get all those hips of those two defenders all messed up. And then you go right back to the post over the middle of the field. And it was one of the most beautiful routes. And honestly, the safety played it pretty well. And this was one of the, probably the best contested catches I saw Zay Flowers make. He jumped over the safety and came down with it. And again, that's not necessarily something that's consistent with his tape. I don't think he's somebody who's going to moss people over the catch point. But he was in double coverage, legit double coverage, bracketed by Louisville's defenders. And he was able to jump over the top of the safety after creating separation against a cornerback for a 57-yard touchdown at the goal line. One of the more impressive plays from his tape. That was one of the more impressive plays because it showed you something. 
uh, and his skill set you might have not known was there from a contested catch possibility standpoint. But yeah, another thing I really like about his game, just taking a look now at some of my strengths and weaknesses, I, I put if you need a first down on third and short against man coverage, you could just get him one on one in the slot and he's going to run a whip route better than most defensive backs can cover right away. He's going to run, run that whip route better. And we saw the giants use a ton of whip routes last year in this system. Even guys like Isaiah Hodgins were running them at times. And those guys are, can create some separation, but this dude running that type of route and obviously Sterling Shepard's run it, you know, throughout his career, he's done a pretty good job with it. They had Tony running it at times, but this dude is going to run that route really well and immediately be the guy who can be your solution to, to beating man coverage on third and short. This is somebody too. I mean, he ran what a four four nine, I believe. I have it right up here. But four, oh no, four four two. Jordan Addison, I believe, was the four four nine. He ran a four four two, and his max speed, according to the advanced analytics, was twenty one point two miles per hour. So he's cracking over twenty one miles per hour. The guy is just a very sudden athlete. And as I mentioned a little bit before, the body control when you're running the routes is that's a deceptive trait. It's not something we talk about a lot. It's like, oh, he's a good route runner. It's like, how can you sell those routes? How can you angle your body to manipulate defenders? And he does it so damn well. And he's reliable. The one thing I will say, though, he's reliable in terms of creating separation, being where he has to be. The hands was one issue that I had. There were a couple frustrating yes. drops throughout his tape that I was like, oh, man, I just wanted to hold on to that. But again, this is somebody who has what? He has nine and one fourth inch hands. That's okay. It's over nine inches, so it's not tiny, but it's not Odell Beckham Jr. So I'm not, I don't, I don't have too many concerns about that. But this is also somebody who had nine drops last year, 24 drops throughout his career. So that combined with the limited catch radius are, are two of my big reservations with a player like this. Yeah, I, I think that if you're looking for concerns, his profile is going to have a lot fewer concerns and strengths, in my opinion. But the main ones are the size holding up at the next level. Can you play on the outside at the next level? Can you be pressed man at the next level? And then like what you just said, the catch radius and that natural hands. There are, like I said, examples where he's blocking away from frame, but again, there are examples of where that's not as consistent. Like, and as you mentioned, the bigger thing is, do you, do you provide your quarterback a big catch radius for him to throw, especially on those tight window throws, you know, those intermediate shot plays and those hole shots. It's not, this is not the profile receiver, at least on paper frame wise that you're looking for by any means. Right. I mean, this is just not it from that, but that's not how he's going to win in my opinion anyway, at the NFL level. And I don't think he's going to need to as much. Like I'll talk about the player. I, I comp him to later, but that player specifically, his catch radius is not huge either. And it hasn't really played a role in slowing him down at all. Uh, and no, it's not Antonio Brown, by the way, who we've seen a lot of comps <laughs> to. We'll talk about that as well, but a few other things I wanted to talk about in flowers profile that I thought, was interesting this is just something that i don't even know if it's a real scouting thing or something that i should be looking for or noticing nick but it's just something that i notice when watching a player like this i feel like dude his feet and legs now this is i feel like this is the case on the vertical routes that you've we've discussed at length which in my opinion is still the most impressive part of his game on the underneath routes when he just catches like a you know something yeah, in a breaking route and when he catches around those on the scrimmage and he has the football and now it's a post-catch situation on in all of those examples, dude, I just feel like his feet are so quickly moving at all times. His feet and his legs are just move, 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 step, 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 quick step, quick step. And he uses that to create separation in his routes before he gets the football and also then to create force missed tackles after the catch to change direction, to re-explode, to reshift his body weight. And those feet are just moving so fast. And really where it stands out the most to me is the only thing that I see that's pretty similar to what Antonio Brown did that won so well on the outside. And everybody's like, oh, can Antonio Brown win on the outside of the NFL level? 
it's his it's his speed release off the line of scrimmage on those vertical routes, man. Those feet are just so quickly moving to to the to I guess laterally at first and then exploding vertically. Um, it's just something that stands out to me, man. When I watch him, he, there it looks to me when I'm focusing on that one aspect of him as a, as a prospect that he's moving at such a faster pace with his feet and with his legs than the corners who are matching up against him or the defensive backs are on the field at the time. I think it's really evident on those horizontal routes. And to go back yeah. to the North Carolina State game, he had another touchdown in that game, Dan, where he ran a drag route off the motion. He kind of had a delayed release to allow everybody to clear out routes underneath him. But the cornerback, or I believe it was a safety, from the opposite side of the field clamped down on that drag, but it didn't matter. He caught the football at like the line of scrimmage, maybe two yards past the line of scrimmage, outran that safety, and then just like followed a block and just took it all the way to the house and was able to use his nimble footwork and his agility and space to make like two guys miss at the goal line. And if you watch his tape, he has little plays like that throughout his tape. He's not the easiest guy to track down. Like, right. look at, he's not the biggest. He's five foot nine, 182 pounds. That's kind of concerning, right? That's small. He's not a big guy, but he's also not easy to locate because he is so shifty in space. And like you said, his feet are so freaking quick and he's deceptive in terms of where he is going to go. Like he can make you miss just by, uh, by using his natural short area quickness and things like that when he is in space. So there's a lot to appreciate about Zay Flowers game. And like you said a little bit before, pick 25, is that the direction the Giants are going to go? I'm not sure. But if it's announced that, I'm not going to be upset about it because I know that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable will really get the most value out of a player like this. Yeah, I think they would get immediate value out of him, just the way he plays. And I think, you know, there's a few other things I wanted to bring up that are definitely evident in his profile. The acceleration in and out of his breaks, the ability to go to zero to 60, the lateral agility, which goes kind of into what I was talking about with the feet. It's just that ability to make those quick lateral cuts that create separation at the top of his routes or, you know, before and after or after he, after he already has the football in space to rack up the, you know, yards after the catch and the yak. These are all things that to me are borderline like as far as this process this class goes elite for this for this position in this class um and one other thing that really stands out to me nick about his game when i'm watching him is that he really does seem to have and this will translate immediately for the giants on special teams if they do draft him he really does seem to have unique vision for a receiver when he's in the open field. That's how I feel like when I watch some of those touchdowns, like there were, there's the one big one where he makes like the cutback after catching the vertical route. I think it was on a post and then kind of figures out the lane to get to the end zone by making two quick cutbacks toward the outside. It's these little things that when you're watching some receivers, you'll see them make the catch and just kind of get vertical or move forward and get tackled. He, when he catches the ball in space, he understands where the cutback lanes are and his vision to get to the end zone or to get to a certain spot is really unique. I think it's almost like watching a running back in the open field and he's not, he's a wide receiver. And that to me makes him an immediate addition as a punt returner. And more importantly, gives you a chance to find explosive plays out of things that really aren't designed to get you maybe a touchdown. Maybe they're designed to get you a chunk play down the field and his ability to have that vision and to make those cutbacks allows you to now take turn that into a touchdown as your team uh, on your offense. Yeah, you see that all throughout his film. And another, I feel like, really important part of his game that is translatable is his tracking and concentration ability. Dan, yes. there are there are plays throughout a Syracuse tape, his Duke tape. He had a, I think, like a twenty plus yard catch where he adjusted his body in the air, turned around to an inside throw, plucked it out of the air, and then got both of his feet. Inbounds, I believe the ball might have been knocked out eventually, which isn't a plus for Zay Flowers, but still the catch was what I'm really referring to. And then there was a 
touchdown against Rutgers, if I remember correctly, where it was a fade route and the ball was underthrown to the inside, but it ended up being a really good throw away from the coverage. It's just a really tough adjustment by Zay Flowers, but he has, again, the body control to do so, the concentration, the tracking. I mean, how many times throughout his tape, Dan, was he 20, 30 yards down the field and he was able to track the football right into his hands? And when you combine his ability to run routes, the nuance that he does, uh, that he utilizes to uncover from the slot, from out wide, because again, everyone's like, this is a slot receiver, and I get why they're saying that because of his size, but he aligned more out wide than he did in the slot right. at Boston College. But when you combine those traits in terms of creating separation via athletic ability and via nuance with tracking and concentration, because I would say his tracking concentration ability is very good, that usually results in a good wide receiver. But there are frustrating concentration drops, which I don't know how you want to weigh that because you can tell he can track and he can make impressive catches along the sidelines, but there are just are times where the ball hits him in the hand. You're just like, mm, you know, damn it, hold on to the damn football. But as we've said on this podcast before, I don't think drops are the the biggest end all be all, especially when you can create as much separation and have the type of impact in terms of creating explosive plays for an offense that say flowers can. Yeah, I think you're entirely right about that. And I think those people who are concerned with the with the size, it's fair to be concerned with the size. He's five foot nine, 182 at the combine. But guess what? You know who was five foot nine, one eighty four at the combine, who nobody talks about now as a size problem. This is gonna be a Tyreek Hill. <laughs> no, this is a tough guess, but that was close. Uh, so AB is a little bit bigger I than think that. You're I'm gonna think. be surprised to hear this is because I was. I thought this guy was much bigger. I don't know why. In my head, I thought he was like one ninety eight and like five foot eleven or ten. But he's five foot nine, one eighty four. I'm not gonna. Make is that Jalen Waddle? Jalen Waddle, dude. Dylan Waddle was only five foot nine, one eighty four, and this. I think of him as being bigger. I think of him being bigger. I just think of him as being a bigger wide receiver, and I think he plays bigger than Flowers, so it's fair to say that, like, yeah, a little bit. But I don't think that's really the case. Like, he's five foot nine, one eighty four. No one ever mentioned him as somebody who's going to have to be able to play the slot, right? Like, Jalen Waddle has no chance to play the outside, and he's playing the outside fine at the NFL because coaches like Dable and like Mike McDaniel with Miami with Waddle over there figure out ways to mitigate the traditional football style, the Ben McAdoo, Mike McCarthy, have one receiver lined up on the outside here, one receiver lined up on the outside here. You have that separation, that space where your slot guy lines up, every single play is the same, outside, outside slot. There's different things you can do to line these players up pre-snap that mitigate their size issue, right? So that, to me, becomes so much less of a concern in today's NFL when we already have a coach who's proven that he can take receivers of all sizes and mitigate the importance of, them being undersized, right? Like hide that, do a really good job of hiding. That doesn't mean I'm still not concerned with what things you've talked about, Nick, and what we've already discussed, like not the most natural hands catcher, doesn't have a good wingspan, doesn't provide a huge catch radius for his quarterback. Is size going to become an issue with injuries? Those are all things that for sure should be concerned. But as far as like where he lines up pre-snap and can he line up here? Can he? I'm not concerned at all about that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He aligned, Dan. 65.8% of his snaps in college was out wide. Only 30-something percent was in the slot. So this is somebody who has a lot of experience. Oh, and I know it's going to be different. He's not playing in the ACC. He's not playing at Boston College once he's in the NFL. But I still think in terms of the New York Giants, as you've already said, it's not as big of an issue. I still would like a wide receiver with some more size, like an Isaiah Hodgins or a Colin Johnson. If Colin Johnson can come back and pair with Isaiah Hodgins, those two can be your size wide receivers. I wouldn't have an issue with that, provided that Colin Johnson is the same Colin Johnson that we saw in training camp last year. But I know Dave Flowers has so much to offer an NFL team. It just comes down to the question, do you spend the 25th pick on that when you have a lot of other holes on your roster? And I feel like that's the real question that you got to ask yourself. And I'm not even certain as much as I love Zay Flowers, that is the most prudent thing to do in terms of building your your franchise forward. But you still need wide receivers. You still do. It's just there's, I, I would say that there's a lot of wide receivers on day two, early day three, that interest me. They're not Zay Flowers. But still, you can get a good cornerback in round one and then another really solid asset at wide receiver a little bit later. It just depends on how Joe Shane and the front office want to play this. My one concern on that front would be that we thought that was going to be the case last year, too, with that crazy wide receiver class. And there was no talent really there at the end of round two. There was definitely no talent at the end of round three. I think that's when we finally saw, what's his name, come off the board, Vilas Jones. Or Vilas Jones might have been like an early round three on if I remember this correctly, the kid who Sam Fran took, who I thought was like a nice round, uh, Danny Gray. Danny Gray. The who, yep. Yeah, that's SMU kid who I was like, this will be a nice round five pick, round six pick. And he comes off the board in round three. Um, but there are a couple guys that really intrigue. I- I'll tell you this, Nick, just from watching the two guys now, and I've only watched a, a little bit of him now, um, Charlie Jones out of Purdue. I feel like oh, he's, he's great. I feel like he's going to be one of the best value picks in this class. And if David Bell is going in, like to me, he's a better prospect than Bell before him. I, at least from my from what I see with them I, and how I project them forward moving forward. So I think everyone's sleeping on him because I haven't heard much talk about him yet at all. And so maybe he's someone who will move up to my sleepers list and we'll get to those I eventually. I love but Charlie Jones. You man. like his day. Charlie, okay. Oh, he's so underrated. The thing is, and I don't know if this is going to carry over to this year, but last year a baseline was set for the New York Giants that they like a lot of younger prospects. Charlie Jones is going to be like 25 yep. in his season. That's a big it, issue. Yep. Big issue, but this is somebody who was with Buffalo and then he went to Iowa. It's like, dude, you transfer from Buffalo to Iowa to get to the Big Ten, but it's like Iowa's one of the worst offenses you can play on. So he's like, I got to get the hell out of here and go to an offense that actually passes the ball, goes to Purdue, and he ends up like setting records there. And it's not just like a bunch of like he's a very, I I feel like he's a very underrated wide receiver. If anybody here wants like a sleeper wide receiver, go watch Charlie Jones tape. He's, He's damn good. Yeah. And so we'll see if the Giants come off their whole like drafting younger players and, and maybe consider a player like that. But back to Zay Flowers here, like, you know, I'll 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 wrap up unless you we can go into more concerns of yours if you have them on film. But I mean, I'll just before we do that, I mean, for me, like the overall thing with Flowers is this and I put this in my profile. I think he does an amazing job of consistently creating separation at all three levels of the field. I said he does a good job of tracking the football vertically. His change of direction and acceleration are off the charts. His ability to adjust to off-target throws and win at the catch point uh, from both the slot and flanker positions, I think is better than advertised. Not amazing, better than advertised. 
I said similar to smaller receivers, undersized previous receivers, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Antonio Brown. It's more about what they can do than focusing on what they can't do. That's how that's one of the most important things I think I've learned in scouting. Focus on what they do well. That's what's important here. Don't focus on over focus on the other stuff. Um, and like I said, I really love that he was the focal point of that of that offense as early as sophomore season where he had triple ditch targets. And despite that and facing bracket coverage and things of that nature, defenses are trying to take away from you. He was still incredibly productive. And so to me, Zay, Zay Flowers is a receiver who I don't worry as much about the size because I'm focusing on the things he does well. And he's definitely someone I'm really excited about. I'd say one thing that people will probably poke prod mm-hmm. about his tape is how does he do against press coverage? He didn't face a ton of press coverage because of his explosive nature. And if you lose at the line of scrimmage, it's just bad for you against a guy as fast and as sudden as a flowers. But there was a rep he had against UConn of all teams where he had a 25 yard catch up the sidelines, good tracking, all that was press coverage. And it was a filthy freaking release. And when, when you think about the traits that Zay flowers does possess, I think he would do well against press coverage. It's just, if you get a good, quarter court cornerback who can jam and get his hands on him. How does he separate from that guy? Will he get ridden out of bounds? I'm not really hundred percent certain, but he's shifty, man. He's fluid. He's quick footed. And I would imagine that if you try to jam him and you don't make contact, you're gone. Like it's going to be really hard to catch up with a guy like Zay flower. So he didn't face a ton of press, but in the reps that I saw him face press, it seemed like he knew what he was doing. My take on that Nick is, Exactly, and this goes back to the Devontae Smith draft. People had the same concern with him. That was like the main concern. My take on that is he's too quick with his feet and too quick with his release off the line of scrimmage. He's too fast with that to be released to, for these corners to even get their hands on him. And it'll get to the point, just like it is with Devontae Smith, where they're not really trying to jam him because it's such a risk if you miss that. Like you said, you're completely burned and left so vulnerable in coverage. And now you might give up the game-changing play that loses the game for your team. So I don't actually have that concern yet. I know a lot of others do. I don't have that concern. I'm more concerned on the catch radius and the injury potential for a player that's that small. Um, in general. So yeah, for me, that's not a concern. I just think he's going to be so fast off, off the line of scrimmage and his, his release that it, w- they, it won't matter, quite frankly. I have a pretty detailed evaluation on him. It's at the top of my pinned tweet. You click on that link. It's like a link tree to a bunch of draft profiles I've done over the years. And Zay Flowers is in there. If anybody wants to check that out, it's over at Giants Country too. If you just want to type that in along with my name and Zay Flowers. And it has all the bullet points of his strengths and his weaknesses, the synopsis is I have him as a, a, a round two grade, which again, doesn't mean that I wouldn't be pleased if he's a round one pick. It's just, I don't have a lot of round one grades in this draft class. Cause I'm, you know, judging it based on previous draft classes, which the classes I felt like were really deep. So mm-hmm. I really like this player and, and I think he's going to be an impactful player at all three levels of the field for whoever selects him. Yeah. Um, let's do a, and if do you have any kind of NFL comp for him, NFL comps, not a big comp guy. Uh, I know you're NFL comp. I think it's a good NFL comp. I can see, I don't think he's Antonio Brown. I've seen that floated around. I think that's really, I think that's aggressive because Antonio Brown set a bar. If it wasn't for him and other issues with Antonio Brown, like he would be the pinnacle of a lot of these types of wide receivers. Oh, yeah. But to give somebody the Antonio Brown comp, it's, it, it's difficult. But I can see why people think that because of how he runs routes. I just think Antonio Brown was a much more dynamic player at the catch point and, and things like that. But I could see why people would look at Zay Flowers, be an undersized guy who is a threat at every level of the field, who can track the full, who can do all those things, body control, all that stuff. He does possess traits that are similar to Antonio Brown. I just think that's a little bit aggressive. But I do like the 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 player you're about to name. 
Yeah, Mike, I can see, I'll start by saying, I can see the Antonio Brown comps really in only one way. It's like those speed releases off the line of scrimmage when he wins vertically to the outside. But I think he does some things like we talked about earlier with the nuances in the way he sets up his vertical routes, like the Pocos and, and those types of routes combinations that are actually a lot different than what you saw from Antonio Brown. Like to me, mostly Antonio Brown won on the vertical plane with just releasing fast off the line of scrimmage and beating the press right away um, to the outside. So somebody who he reminds me of instead a lot, especially in the vertical passing game, most more than anything else, but also in his ability to win underneath. And I'm talking about this. The, the comp I'm about to make is the player he was when he came out of K-State, not the player he is now, even though he still has a lot of what he had then. And that's Tyler Lockett, the wide receiver from Seattle. And I'll tell you what, Tyler Lockett was a third round draft pick. Oh, I love that draft. I thought he was one of the best value picks in the entire class. And one of the reasons why he fell to the third and similar to the reason why Zay Flowers will fall a little bit in this draft, I think at least, is because people don't see a ceiling with those type of players. But I'll tell you what right now, dude, if you could draft Tyler, if you could, someone told you you could get Tyler Lockett right now in a draft, Nick, exactly what he's been so far for the for the Seahawks, right? like everything he's produced, his consistent production. Would you probably take that with a top 10 pick? I think you have to, right? There's so many busts in the draft that you almost like have to use a top five pick on that. I don't I didn't realize this about Tyler Lockett. And yeah. yes, I think he is worth a top 10 pick. He's had five consecutive seasons, Dan, of over a thousand yards. Right. And hasn't had less than eight touchdowns in any of those seasons. That's in, that's insane. I, mean, I don't really think that about Tyler. I'm like, hey, he's a good right. receiver. That's 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 consistent production right there. He is on the football field producing for a team that has been more run oriented than not in recent years. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like you look at these guys and you're like, what are we looking for with these top five picks, these top 10 picks? We need everything. We need ceiling. We need the next Randy Moss. We need this. That's not going to happen most of the time. You're going to get busts in those picks a lot of the time. So why not take someone so consistent? And I think Zay Flowers has a good chance to be a really consistent. I don't think he's ever going to be Jamar Chase at the next level and what he offers or Justin Jefferson. He doesn't have that profile. Those guys were bigger receivers, quite, quite frankly. And they were more athletic than him and better on tape. But he doesn't have to be to make the 25th pick overall in a smash success. If he's Tyler Lockett, that's like the biggest hit the Giants have had at 25 in many drafts. Because the Giants haven't been really good, by the way, at drafting at the end of at the end of rounds. If people don't remember, they've had some big misses starting with that recently. Most recently, I would say it was Evan Ingram. But through the years, they had some misses in the back end. But he would all he would have to if he came Tyler Lockett at the NFL level, he would be a smash pick. Um, so that leads me to our next question. Would you? Want the Giants to take him at 25 overall? Will he be near the top of your wish list at 25 overall? And the final part of this three-parter would be, would you consider trading up for a prospect like him? No, I'm not about trading up, so I'll just X that one out right now. Look, if he's there uh, and the Giants select him, I'm not going to be upset about it. But if they were to select him over a cornerback one that I really respect, and honestly, dude, I... I don't want to say I have delusions of grandeur, but I'm just hoping one of these cornerbacks that I love falls. And the three cornerbacks that I love, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, and I really like Deontay Banks as well. So Banks is there. I would rather go Banks and solidify that defense than say Zay Flowers, but I'm not confident that Banks will be there. I don't think Witherspoon, I don't know if you've watched Witherspoon's tape yet. That dude is so exciting to watch. He's like a Mack truck at the cornerback position with the 
control of a Ferrari. It's it's insane, his athletic ability and his physicality. And then Christian Gonzalez, not as physical as Deontay Banks, but all the movement skills that you want and would be perfect for Wink Martindale as well. I, those two, I just don't think even have a shot to even make it to 20, yeah. let alone 25. Deontay Banks is the one player where I'm like, he could. Hopefully, like Joey Porter Jr., like I... I like Joey Porter Jr., but like, uh, doesn't really entice me all that much. Like, he's more of a physical kind of guy. I don't really love him in man coverage. Same with Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo, he can run like a four or three. That's great. The kid from Georgia, but like, get him to flip his hips and and do a lot of like short area quickness things. Not in love with him, but I think the Giants might like him a little bit just because he's like a red shirt. Or not even know if he was a red. Yeah, he was red shirt because he got hurt. He had to get a shoulder issue. Issue. Red shirt, sophomore, super young from Scottsdale, Arizona. You know, so you know, I like him for that reason. Now, but uh, I don't, I don't love his um, his ability on the horizontal plane as much, which hurts him in man coverage. Although he's been a part of two national championship teams, it was a huge part of that defense. But back to Zay Flowers, I'll be okay with the draft pick, but I think I'm going to like other people more, and I think there will more than likely be other players at 25 that will have a bigger impact than him. Especially when you look at some of the other players in the draft that I think the Giants could get maybe a little bit later on, who can provide maybe 70% of what Zay Flowers would provide. But like you said a little bit earlier, and I think it's a good point, Dan, that can get a little tricky, and you can get burnt by doing that. Yeah, right, and it goes both ways. You're going to get burnt by doing that at a corner too, especially. And so I think for me to answer the, the the questions I presented to you would be, he probably will end up on my wish list. I don't have a wish list yet at 25 because we're I I still would like to do I. use all this time to kind of figure out more about this draft class, and that won't happen until the last week. We'll come out with our wish list and things like that. But I think he's likely to end up on it. He's not a player I would trade up for. There's very few players ever that I'll trade up for. I'm not a believer in trading up really at all. And I mean, maybe if you're in a championship window, but I, I just I hate the idea of giving up draft picks just to move up for the guy that you think you know is definitely better than the rest because the draft is such a crapshoot and you don't really know more than these other GMs at most of the time. Um, with that said, will he be the top of my wish list? I think probably not. I think I'm with you, man. I want a corner with this first pick badly. I desperately want. I don't think there's any chance of Witherspoon or Gonzalez falling, but that leads me to believe maybe in that scenario, if you can just flip like a round three pick to move up six spots or something to get one of those guys, if they fall, maybe then it becomes worth it. I still hate the idea of it, but then maybe and then we don't have a third round pick, which sucks, but maybe and that's not even fun too. It makes it so, our job so much less fun when that's the case. It's part of why I don't like trading up. It's one of my biggest reasons for it. <laughs> it's selfish. I like to cover more draft picks. I like to have more picks to get excited about. That's why I like trading down. But, you know, maybe if that's a scenario, they consider that. But otherwise, you know, Banks, maybe Porter, maybe even a, play, a player who they actually had a visit with earlier it was reported by walter football one of their few ones brents from the kid you watch from k-state like maybe they like him more than anyone else we, we never know there's surprises all the time wendell robinson was not a player we expected them to take a 44 overall this regime man they they're willing to bank on outliers but can you bank on two consecutive outliers two drafts in a row at the same position i don't know i don't know if you can with the 20 with using flowers with 25 on flowers i guess is, but yeah you are talking about someone with a sub 30 inch catch radius. And I know that stuff can be overly uh, critiqued at times, you know, and people can be overly critical about that, but it is important, right? Like if you just have yeah. a bunch of guys with Tyrannosaurus Rex arms, it, it, something that might limit your offense a little bit. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about what the press coverage and stuff we went over before. I'm just talking about, look, you need Daniel Jones to be very precise. You need him to be very right. accurate because if he's throwing away from these guys' frames, like we critiqued Wando Robinson for this last year, he can't extend away from his frame. He has a very limited catch radius and his hands aren't all that great. I think Zay Flowers is much better in terms of extending away from his frame than a Wando Robinson is. Adding another guy with a sub 30 inch catch radius is, so I can see how that could be an issue. 
know, at least with Daniel Jones, and this is don't I don't want this to come off in the wrong way, but it's a quarterback who at least through the first four years of his career, we haven't seen throw with consistent anticipation and leading his receivers to spots. So I almost feel like based on what he's put on tape as a quarterback, these types of players are almost a better fit for what he is, right? He's not throwing them open to spots and leading them. He's kind of a lot of times just kind of throwing to where they are. And that helps for receivers like Wandell and, and Zay Flowers with, with shorter wingspans. You know, it's not ideal. It's not what you want, obviously. No, it's not ideal. And, and also on like those horizontal crossing routes, because the Giants run a ton of Y cross. They run a ton of those right. search type of routes over the middle of the field. You got to hit them in front sometimes. You got to lead them when you don't have the ability to really extend away from your frame and catch, which I think Zay Flowers, like I said before, is better than Wanda Robinson in that area. That requires Daniel Jones to be much more precise with his yep. ball placement. And he's typically solid with that. But as we've detailed through previous podcasts, there are times where he throws it a little bit behind or a little bit too far in front. If that player has been well out of his break, which is a little thing, and it's not something that's overly consistent on Daniel Jones Jones film, but we saw the interception with Patrick Peterson against the Vikings cropped up there and cropped up a couple other times throughout the year. Yeah, the Darius Slayton should be touchdown against the Packers with another example. Uh, yes. But just to be specific, because um, Nick mentioned it first, but then didn't mention it at the second time. I just want to be specific about what he's talking about, because I know I agree with him on this. We're talking about on the horizontal plane with Daniel Jones. We're not talking about at all times um, as far as like his, in, you know, inconsistencies from ball placement standpoint. It really just shows up mostly, I think, on the horizontal plane. But to me, it also shows up on the around the line of scrimmage throws. I'm thinking, quite frankly, of that Dallas Cowboys game in Dallas where he missed Barkley in the flat. And I just think in general, his flat passing has not been a, a plus at any point in his career. Dating back to all three coaching staffs, the flat passing has not been great. And it, to me, it's partially just because he's such an over-the-top thrower at all times, and he doesn't often do a good job. But then, you know, there's been signs that that's changing a little bit, at least the hope is. That first Vikings game last year, the two-point conversion throw to Bellinger was a really good example of him changing his arm slot and not just throwing over the top on a shorter pass. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something to ponder, though, if Zay Flowers were to get added with Wandell Robinson, with Paris Campbell yeah. now. And and I mean, I, and I get it, dude. Like, I, I think all of these additions might suggest the Giants might not go wide receiver at 25, but it doesn't preclude them. It doesn't take them out of it, Dan, because who do you have on this roster beyond next season? Darius Slayton and Wandell Robinson, right? That's it. And probably Darren Waller after they restructure the contract to throw some dead cap in. Yeah, he's it. tight end. I'm just talking about the wide receiver. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. I'm imagining Hodgins is probably going to be here for the long term, but he's only back on a one-year contract. You never know. He could get hurt. Anything can happen. So true. it's not like the 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 Giants have a, a true solidified plan at wide receiver right now moving forward. Yeah, no solidified long-term plan. All they've really done is give themselves the floor and a backup plan in case they don't like anything in the draft, which is exactly what you could want. The only thing you could ask from a franchise that was dealing with a really bad wide receiver market and free agency, no real trade options, not a good draft pick, and anyway, not really top-end receivers in this class no matter what. They put themselves in a position, in my opinion, if they don't do anything at receivers in the draft, I still am kind of fine with what they have there, to be completely honest with you, right now with Campbell, with Crowder, who I'm more excited about than most, potential for Shepard, potential for Wandell, Hodgins, and then more importantly, having Waller as basically I consider him a receiver. I know he's going to be tight end. I'll try my best to classify him as a tight end, but to me, I'm just basically taking him as a receiver in this offense. He's the number one receiving option yes. in the offense. So you look at it that way. I, I believe Kafka and Dable will diversify their targets and they won't be overly predictable, but third and six, third and five. Yes. What do you think the first read is going to be? 100% Darren Waller, which is which is great because I think he can be, in my opinion, a really good option as your number one guy. I know, look, there's been some injuries, but he 
when you watch him, you're like, this dude gets it. This dude can get open. This dude is long and he can still get open. And that's, they don't have anything like him on this roster currently if he's fully healthy. Yeah. Yeah. The athletic ability combined with the length, combined with the experience, combined with the ability to make people miss. There's, there's a lot going on with Darren Waller. There's a reason why the big blue banter and giants nation is so excited about him. And if he can stay healthy, it's a huge get for big blue. And outside of Quinton Johnson, I don't think there's anyone in this draft class who could potentially give them what Darren Waller will give them this year in year one. I don't think there's anybody that can give them what Darren Waller can give, but are there other long targets that could be added to the team? Quinton Johnston, you brought up, I would say Cedric Tillman, but he's not nearly as explosive as Quinton right. Johnston or, or uh, Darren Waller, but he's still a big body guy who I feel like is a very underrated wide receiver. Nice receiver. All right, that's it for Zay Flowers. Thank you so much for tuning into Big Blue Banter Podcast as usual. This is another draft profile. More to come as we work our way through the process. Remember, if you want to help us, you want to help us grow the show, want to help us stay alive, now we'll stay alive. But just help us grow. We still want to grow. You can leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify. We're all trying to grow, Dan. We're all trying to grow. We're all trying to grow. Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. But more importantly, we need you to hit download. Please download these episodes. Don't just hit play. You know, I know ever since being in the business, Nick, I've kind of been so much more cognizant of hitting download on all my favorite podcasts because I oh, yeah. realize and recognize what that means for the pod. It's somehow everything, which I still don't support or believe in. And I don't know why advertisers go that way, but that's the case. And probably we shouldn't even be saying this out loud. Maybe. I don't know. And I've never heard anyone else talk about the ins and outs of this. But the bottom line is just hit download, please. You can delete right after, but please hit download. And then if you're not on our YouTube page already, please make sure you you subscribe to our YouTube page, Big Blue Banter. We're trying to reach 5K at some point, at least by the start of the season. We need you to hit like on those videos if you watch them and hit uh, the bell button so you'll get new ones. And outside of these two things, we're not going to ask you for anything else ever. So hopefully that's something you can do for us to help us grow. Um, otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.